Welcome back to Your Brain on Positive. All the love and support you need is residing inside of you. And we're going to make it easier to turn it on. We're glad you're here. Welcome to Your Brain on Positive and get ready to have a positively amazing journey with my friend Kayleen McCaw. There's something magical that happens when you realize, or in my case, when I realize that what I teach in an hour or sometimes a weekend, Kayleen managed to put into a book that takes less than 10 minutes to read. (laughs) So I want to know the story behind that, Kayleen. I want to know, I mean, I know because you give credit to the Hermitage and we'll talk about what that experience was like. But what led you to that? When did you figure this out? Right. I have been chewing on these issues, I think, really my whole life, you know, trying to figure things out. And the way that I'm designed on the inside, I'm this odd fusion of mystic and geek. So I I, <laughs> I like to make perfect, logical, scientific sense but be as woo as humanly possible, because that's where science ends up leaving you. You go all the way down that road. Um, and I think the ultimate motivation for writing the book, I, I had a pretty dramatic falling out with the church, fell, fell very hard and deep in and then fell very hard and deep out. And when I finally realized that not being able to say the G word without throwing up in my mouth was a, a waste of perfectly good resources. Hmm. I set about to relanguage it so that I could I could take the good parts of that experience and make them available, especially to other people who have because there are a lot of us who have that kind of trauma. Um, everything that's supposed to be the best and the most wonderful and supportive is kind of scary and dangerous. Even like saying love is, you know, uh, you get all your rejecting hackles up for a lot of folks. It, yeah, well, I think you've hit upon something really key, so I'm just going to highlight it, which is the fact that when we start on a spiritual journey and we go on this road, all of a sudden, spirituality hits humanity, and we have to kind of reconcile the fact that what is perfect, and we know it's perfect, and we know that we're all one, still, we live in this third-dimensional reality where if, you, know, you can keep your one over there, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it is a heck of an exciting time to be here on the planet. And and really, honestly, I have to give credit. It's in the um, dedication. One of the real motivations is I had twin daughters. We're born on my birthday, so we've got a lot in common. But <laughs> maybe that's the problem, right? Because you had these three highly sensitive, empathic females living in a house together. And it was like, I don't know whose feelings these are, but they're really bad. (laughs) And we fundamentally just don't speak the same language. So we came to this place where they look at me. It's like, Mom, you know, I I do my best to love you. And I know you're saying something, but I have no blessed idea what it is. So I realized I had to find a universal language, uh, a way of being absolutely simple absolutely clear, flying in under all the, you know, landmines and drones that watch out for scary religious and political stuff. And it was really important to me to give just the right amount of information to make you figure it out instead of just saying, here it is, dummy. Yeah. Okay. So I'm from the here it is, dummy 
kind of <laughs> school. Okay. You know, I mean, people come to my classes because I figured out a lot of things for them. And that fine line between um, empowering and enabling, I have been on both sides of that multiple, multiple times. And I do love that about what you've created. So I'm going to take us back a step because we haven't talked about what you've created yet. Yeah, the little book, and I have a little book. Okay, Human Experience. It's a quick start guide. It's not on Amazon. The only reason I found it is because I showed up at a presentation that you gave, which was a very dramatic one-woman show. And then you had these books and you had this artwork, and I was fascinated by the book. And then I bought 30 of them. You signed all of them. And I gave them out to everybody who was coming to my classes and coming to my workshops. And then my world went sideways for about seven years. So that was like probably that long ago. Yeah. And then a few weeks ago, your book jumped out of a basket and into my hand is about the only thing I can think of. Perhaps what you said a minute ago, now is an exciting time. Now I was certainly in a much better place to not just enjoy the book, but to go, what can I do with this? Right. So we're going to talk about some of the things that we're going to be doing with this book, but let's take people through the key concepts of the book because it starts out with, let me get your attention. You're here to play. Mm -hmm. What made you choose this uh, galaxy playground kind of amusement park of the third planet, the blue planet? What made you choose that analogy? Well, I I got attached to the idea of universal tech support. Um, <laughs> and that was actually in the, uh, I, I actually won the Ringling Towers Award and had my stay at the Hermitage where I wrote the book for the script of one of those solo plays like you came to see. Uh, and that's where I came up with the concept of universal tech support, guidance on demand, critical updates to the operating system. Because I wanted it to be in a language people understand that was specifically not religious, but accomplished the same task. That was really important to me because I knew I would have shut down anybody who tried to tell me about God unless it was disguised as something else. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, good. Yeah. My, my, I have a, a sister who says it's 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 G.O.D. It's good, orderly direction. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. There you go. All right. So I love that. Critical updates to the operating system. Yeah. Yeah. That's not in this book. So hopefully that'll be in. That's actually kind of the heart of the sequel, which I'm very excited about right in the middle of. This one introduces the whole idea of um, we made lemons out of lemonade when a terrible glitch entered into the operating system here, which, what, five years ago now, I called the not virus. Hmm. That, That aged well. Um, that we decided to make the best of it because we found people were coming to the human experience to have the novel uh, opportunity to forget all the stuff that we instinctively know and to be in kind of this, well, I call it an escape planet, like an escape room, because they were just becoming popular at the time I I wrote the book, Um, that you have to figure out how to return to the fundamental knowledge that really is hardwired. And then the sequel is the Human Experience Reset Guide, which when I started writing it at the beginning of the lockdown, I would not have been able to say what I said today is, due to the spectacular failure of the old world operating system, we have a unique opportunity to make some long-awaited updates. 
(laughs) I love that. We have a unique opportunity to make some long-awaited updates. Yeah. You know, here's what caught me. Um, Earlier today, I was answering some messages, something I get around to kind of randomly, whether it's social media or email, I'm pretty random in my interaction. And one message popped up and it said, you were, we're putting together the summit. I thought you might want to be a part of it. It's 55 women all standing against abuse of any kind. Mm-hmm. And I went, mm, no. Right, exactly. Mother Teresa said she will never attend an anti-war rally. If you have a peace rally, please invite her. And when I heard that quote, I kind of got, I didn't connect the dots. What you have in the book is this idea of, you know, where your attention goes. Right. You know, that, that's where things flow. What you put and your that's why it, it's so hard to figure out because you can have the best intentions in the world. And it's usually people who do, who make the biggest mistakes. But when you're fighting against evil, you activate the entire matrix of manifestation to bring you more evil because you said, I want to stop that. And you can't stop it unless you first are the one who's responsible for creating it. Uh, I have the same experience. I have neighbors who have pounded in a side that says, a united against hate. And it's like, oh, that cannot end well. <laughs> it, it, it really doesn't. And people don't get it. And I didn't get it until, um, and that's my journey that you may not even know about. I mean, I went into the whole world of teen suicide prevention and realized that every suicide prevention program I could find was focused on the at risk. It was focused on stopping suicide. It was focused on intervention. And there wasn't anybody talking about what would prevent suicidal thinking from getting stuck inside a kid's head, which is my definition of prevention. And so I've been in this soup for a couple of years. And what's gotten me so excited about having your book come back into my world is it just like, oh, let's take all the language around emotional intelligence and emotional resilience and social emotional learning, throw that out the window for the most part and bring in this idea of what you focus on, you're going to find. And here's how to refocus. So the idea that, hey, you can choose to focus on what's coming, what you want to have come. So I've created lots of little things around that. And you created something just absolutely beautiful with it. Thank you. That that was my goal, really. I, I call it a children's book for adults. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what it takes to, to make the grown-ups really absorb it. But my dream has always been that then people will put it in the hands of the smallest children who can figure it out. And I have had the opportunity. Uh, some parents have given it to their kids. A woman who comes to me for brings her kids to me for sound healing. And the girl came back after she'd been gone for a year and said, Miss Kayleen, I need a new book because my old one's broken. Yes. And she carried it with her everywhere and read it every day. And she's just a magical child. And when you give kids the tools that they need, instead of having to figure it out later when everything goes wrong, they can just live the most amazing lives. Wouldn't it be interesting to wave a magic wand and go, what if? And there have been a lot of books about how to wake up the world. There's lucid living. There's, you know, um, asking it is given. You know, there have been a lot of writers, whether they were obviously in human 
owning their words or they were channeling and you know giving credit where someone else was owning their words or something else was owning the words. It didn't really matter. The message has been the same. Why aren't we getting it on a bigger scale? Right. Honestly, I put that down to the complexity of the way the message has come through, because I know I'm saying the same thing that has been said before. Uh, I know that there's there's one elephant in the room, you know, and we all feel our little our little part of it. Yeah, I see that on your on your chain there. Um, And that's another reason I make it so simple is because the the twisted up part inside of us wants a really complicated solution to a really complicated problem because somehow that justifies all the suffering and makes it reasonable that I, the great wonderful I, got it wrong. Whereas the way that it looks to me is ultimately it's a coding error. You know, we're we're trying to speak French to an English only form. It's like it doesn't get it Um, or it's just it is the simplest possible mistake. That's another one of the things that just kind of hardwired into me is this understanding that the most powerful thing you can do is change one thing and just Mm -hmm. choose very, very carefully what one thing you change, because you always have the power to change one thing. And if you choose right. You can change the one thing that changes everything. And turning around that fighting against evil uh, perspective into a trusting that the flow is a flow of beauty thing, that takes care of it all. You know, then love that. Put your mind on what is beautiful. Focus on beauty. And now you talk in the book, and I'm, and I'm just going to out myself. You talk about the golden ratio. You talk about pie. You know, that one, it's phi, because pi is a circle and phi is a spiral. So they're related, but they're fundamentally different. And that's something I should have done differently in the book. I said, sounds like pi. I should have said rhymes with pi. Ah, there we go. Okay. So um, sounds like pi is, all right. So it's not pi, that mathematical thing I was thinking of. It's 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 phi. It's phi as opposed to phi. So phi. And it's like a spiral. Okay, so I've yeah. seen people talk about lately, they talk about fractals. Where is, is that what you're talking about? That it's similar no. to that? No. All right. No. They're ultimately related. Okay, so the golden ratio is when you w- decide to speak the language of math, it's what you discover underlies all of the beauty in the structure of the universe. Um, Phi, the golden ratio, Fibonacci sequence is essentially the same thing. Ah, okay. I've heard of it, needless to say. (laughs) So you take a thing Mm -hmm. and then you add to it just a tiny bit more than half again as much. And then you take that one and a half as the new thing and you add again just a little bit more than half as much. And by the, and you keep on doing that. And by the power of this algorithm, it turns into that beautiful unfolding spiral of grace that we see all around us in nature. So Ah. just by letting that formula happen, doesn't matter where you start, it will turn to beauty, period, because that's where beauty comes from. So beauty is not in the eye of the beholder in this case. Beauty is in the mathematical unfolding of allowing for things to increase. Right, and you only see it when you look for it. Well, that's true about anything. 
You know, what I focus on, I find. If I'm mm-hmm. not looking for it, I can't find it. And anyone who's ever sent a kid or a man to the pantry, <laughs> okay, they've already made up their mind that they can't find it. Mm-hmm. And so they're not going to find it. Yeah. And that happens a lot in my household. Just say, you know, <laughs> so the reality here is that we were given free will. We were endowed with the ability to create. And somewhere between birth and school, mm-hmm. we got a virus in our operating system that starts with the word not and the word no. Right. I honestly, I, I believe that it's uh, ancestral. It's inherited with our DNA. That's why in the book I say your your avatar comes preloaded with your mother's story of the world software. Because we, that's why it's so pernicious, because we don't even know it's there. We think it's just what is. We can't see ourselves clearly enough to see that we're facing against the flow. We don't know that we don't believe in goodness, because we've been so completely brainwashed to focus on badness and making it stop. That's a really good point. When we got offered a book title to use for the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, the book title is make it a great day. The choice is yours. And we adopted that with both arms because it speaks exactly to what we realized was missing from this whole conversation around suicide is that it's we make choices. We just don't know that we have any other choice. Yeah. And so anything that wakes up the world to this power that we can choose what we put our attention on. And it's a choice sometimes that we make or that I have to just go choose. Whoop, distracted, choose. Yeah. And Mm. it could be a hundred times a day. It just, but it's, it's still a choice and it's a practice. Every moment is a choice. Yeah, and you can make it a a choice that draws you into the knot or a choice that sets you free. I think another along the line of of why the solution needs to be so simple is that to get to our power, we have to pass through our shame. And before you can really own the fact that I get to control all of this, you have to face the fact that, oh, my gosh, I'm the one who made this the way it is. Even if I inherited it, even if I can blame it on my ancestors and that old devil or whoever you want to blame for way on back, it's mine. And because I have the power, I have to say, oh, my bad. I married a crappy man because I didn't believe there was any other kind. That's on me. I wouldn't have let him be a good man if he'd tried because that's the story I was telling. Ouch, I hate when it's my fault. But because it is my fault, I get to change. That's what I love about what you're on. It's what some of the greatest songwriters of all time have tried to get across. Jimmy Buffett almost snuck it past everybody. Yo, at the end of the day, he owned it. Yeah. And what I realized about accountability programs is that they're almost universally broken and backwards because they make accountability be something that's from the outside in. Like you have an accountability partner, you know, to to hold you accountable. 
as opposed to owning it, letting it be ownership. Yeah, exactly. What would happen if everybody just took ownership? I think if everybody just took ownership over their emotions, the world would change. Right. Right. That's why I, I, I take issue with, you know, the popularity of talking about toxic narcissism. It's like you realize if you're an empath, you're a narcissist, right? Do you oh, realize? my gosh. I, I, I teach the scale. I, you know, so here we go. What people call narcissists are what I call overt bullies. You can see it. Their actions show it. And then there's the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. which can often look like somebody who's a people pleaser at the extreme, a doormat. And the reality is we're just the opposite side of that coin. We're covert bullies. You can't tell. Yeah. It's but, the same dynamic at work. Yeah. The Celestine prophecy pointed it out with mm-hmm. you. It's like you're going to have somebody who's an interrogator partnered with somebody who's aloof. And you're going to have somebody who's an, uh, um, somebody who's, I've forgotten the right word now, but more aggressive and intimidator partnered mm. with somebody who's in the victim mode. And we're just designed to energetically balance. What exactly. if we could start pulling each other towards the middle? And I think it has to start with acceptance and non-judgment. Right. Right. Although even there, see the not virus is stuck in the words. It is yeah. acceptance and positive judgment. How's that? That that works. Um, I, I honestly, that's what I really tried to get down into in the restart guide, giving people that next step for how because it really it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time is give people the tools to loosen the Gordian knot. Because mm. Alexander came along and he had a solution and it might have been fine for the time, but it sure is not right for today because he cheated. Well, okay, so so tell me about Alexander's solution because I'm going. Which Alexander are you talking about? So yeah. Alexander the Great. Okay. Um, so the backstory, let's see, the Gordian Knot is named after a place, Gordia, I guess. Uh, and they had had a prophecy that the ruler is going to come in riding on an ox cart, you know, come in humble, right? So he came in and he became the king and he set up this puzzle, uh, which is, you know, the knot of Gordia, the Gordian Knot, that you just couldn't figure out where the ends are or how to get it apart. Um and said, whoever can loosen this knot will be the ruler of the whole region. Da, 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 da. So Alexander came along and, you know, he had a sword. So he figured that was the answer to everything. And he said, doesn't matter how you loose it. <laughs> and he chopped that sucker in pieces. Everybody said, oh, you're so powerful. You're so smart. And he dominated the area for a while. And, you know, that was, call it the patriarchy, call it what you want. That was an era in history. But now... <laughs> As everything circles back again, and, and this is where we get to the fractal form of reality, we see the same thing circus is circuiting again because that's part of the way the world is structured. We're faced with the puzzle again. Okay, this time, if we don't cheat, how do we actually loosen the knot, N-O-T, knot? Um, and it was one of those things I keep repeating to myself because I was so happy when it came into my ears, is that as you... Well, you change the question you're asking. We'll talk more about this another time. You change the question from why does this feel so bad, which sends you on an exploration of everything that's wrong, Mm -hmm. to where am I? And the answer is I'm face backward fighting the entire flow of the universe. No wonder it feels bad. But the thing is, even when you're fighting against the flow, you're still inside the flow. Bam. Yeah. 
just a sit there and chew on it moment. (laughs) I love that you changed the question. I believe that changing the question is the most powerful thing we can do for our brains because we've got the ultimate search engine. Whether you believe in intuition or just intelligence, either way, we've got the great eye inside our heads. If we ask a good question, we get a good answer, good meaning useful. Exactly. And the right answer to the wrong question is still the wrong answer. (sighs) Now, that poses the question. Is the wrong answer to the right question? Still the wrong answer, or does it become the right answer? I don't know about that. <laughs> the right question forces you to give the right answer. That's sort of what I was thinking. It's a fun conversation. When I realized the power of asking the right question and shifting the focus. So we've got couple of beautiful opportunities for everyone to engage with the book. One, I came up with a, an idea. I don't know if it's a great idea, but I came up with an idea. My idea was that what your book really does is explain the concept of the ages. What we used to call attitude, now they call mindset. Right. So I've created how mindset really works. And it's a dot com and it's where people can go and they can see your book. They can the the dramatic reading that you let me do of it because I was just having so much fun with it. So they'll be able to actually order their own copies there and sell. Since, yeah, like I said, this one's not up on Amazon, which is where everybody goes for everything. That that's sort of the the not quite true, but just a lot of people be about the same price as the book. I just didn't feel right about giving it to Amazon. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So the power of this is that now they can engage with you. That's easy to find. And I thought that that was really a good description of what the book actually does. It explains mindset. And for anyone who's in a coaching role or in a healing role, trying to help our patients and our clients understand that what's going on in their mind is what is setting into motion everything in their life. Right. That's my definition of mindset. Yeah, what's going on in your mind is what sets your life in motion. What your book does is give people a place to go to shift. It's paradoxical because by accepting the responsibility, you get out of the shame. Yeah, it's it's just a problem with the way the thing is. It's just it's a computer error. It's not a big deal. You just fix it. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Once you decide that you can choose that you, that, that everything in your life is in your life because of an action you took, a decision you made, a choice. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got things in your life that you're not happy about, just, okay, accept that you made, you got those by choice. Now just what choice did I make? What can I do instead? Yeah. And then it becomes, because I was also a math major, then it becomes a simple mathematical, you know, what was the operation that got me here? What change can I make to get me that where I want to be? Yeah, exactly right. Sometimes I, I talk about translating from uh, the language of the not virus to the proper coding language, which is yes and, as a do the math. You know, because all the knots cancel each other out, and you end up with a statement of what is actually positive. What would a statement 
of what is actually positive and possible for the world look like today for you? I've been chewing on that one for a long time. Um, so let's start with the not form of it. And this is, you know, what you're actually saying, even though you don't say all the words to yourself. I do not like how it feels when I am not feeling good. <laughs> and then you just fight against that all the time. Okay, so you cancel out all the knots. I feel good. If you choose for a place when you feel good, but I've refined that down to like the ultimate statement of yes is I am home. Ooh, I am home. Exactly. How do I know I'm home because of the way it feels? You know, because even even the advice, which is not bad advice to start with the feeling is really confusing when you're feeling bad. It's like, I don't know how to translate that to, it's like, okay. You know, I love I love how the not snuck in, in what you oh, just said. Oh, yeah. yeah. What if, what if the whole point in this conversation is to say, okay, everybody take a deep breath. What are you feeling? And then the question is, what's one thing I can think that will help me feel better? Right. And if we just started with something that simple, simpler, the better, simpler, the better. And honestly, even more simple, especially if, you know, you've got trauma that makes home a scary word like love and all the other broken, wonderful words. I am here within the flow. The flow is the safe way to say the G word. The flow is the golden ratio. The flow is this thing beyond our comprehension that if it wasn't still flowing, we wouldn't be here. So the fact that I'm here feeling crappy is evidence that the goodness is surrounding me. And if I just remember that I am because goodness is, then it'll sort itself out. I am because goodness is, and it will I'm sort itself out. This is the biggest um, glitch in the program. Yes. Okay. When, when I'm thinking about your your analogy for the program of the world, this wonderful escape planet that we're on, this amusement where we come to get lost in the game, and we do, Whoa. this idea of, <laughs> oh my goodness, a nursery rhyme just popped into my head. It's like little Bo Peep. Mm. Leave them alone and they'll come home. Exactly. You, you know, because uh, they know you're going to feed them. They'll come back, you know? The, the Wizard of Oz. If I ever go looking for my heart's desire and it's not in my own backyard, I didn't lose it anyway. Oh, you we, always have the power, Dorothy. Just click your heels together three times. There we go. Yeah, and it was so simple that Dorothy would not have believed it at the beginning of the story, which is exactly what we're talking about. Right. The simplest answer that shifts the mood, the attitude, and then the actions yeah. is the one to start with. Exactly. And and at this time in history, another way that I like to talk to people about it is it's the shift from yang to yin, mm. not a judgment against yang. I mean, we have yang poisoning in our world because we've been taught that the only real power is yang power. You make bad things not happen. And so, if I'm allowed I'm allowing badness because badness is its control and you want badness to win. But yin is so lacking in our world that it's a superpower. You just put in this little drop of allowing goodness 
which implies the belief in goodness, which releases the power of goodness. And you realize that, wow, I am inside of goodness and I get to watch as it takes care of itself. Belief in goodness is, I think, what absolutely is missing. I think we have forgotten how to believe in goodness on a huge scale. Now, that's not everybody. You know, I mean, there is certainly goodness in the world. There's goodness in your book. There's goodness in um, our partner in the slums in Nairobi, Kenya, who's saving lives every day, feeding kids and actually going to school. You know, there are there is goodness in the world. And yet we are bombarded with the messages of what's not that that it's hard for our brains to even believe that there is goodness in the world. And our our relationship with the old story of the ultimate good, the benevolent father God has been broken. Well, and that put goodness outside of us as opposed to we are. And even though, and, and I was, I came from a biblical family. I was a Bible scholar for a little while. You know, we we are designed in the image of God. So we said, oh, God is good. Well, that means that we, by definition, are too. But that's not the message that came down through my childhood. Right. Christianity was weaponized by the Romans. I mean, they gave us a, a knotted up version of it. I think most religions go through some contortions of that mm. where it gets knotted up. There, there are, again, that's why somebody said Buddhism is not a religion because it, it doesn't have that kind of knot in it. However, it has its own paradoxical challenges to it, having, having spent a little time in that world. What if Shakespeare had it right? Nothing is good or bad, but thinking make it so. Mm. What I love about what you're bringing into the world is that it gives people a chance to think differently about what this game we call life is really all about. Your book has inspired a huge shift in the way that we're approaching the work of the Teen Suicide Prevention Society and even in the way that I'm teaching my coaches in Conscious Transformational Coaching. Just within the last two weeks since it jumped back into my hand. And that's why I was so grateful that you were willing to make the time. And then you shared with me the fact that you've got the sequel in the works. And now I'm like, oh, goody, goody, win, 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 win. (laughs) No pressure, but now would be good. Very soon. Okay. So I know you're going to be part of the next Make It a Great Day book. And, you know, my, my big thought was, okay, look, let me just take your first book and put it inside the Make It a Great Day book. And then people can find it on Amazon if they can't find it on your thing. But we're going to have so much fun with this because you get to create whatever you want for the book. So you'll have fun with this and it'll be out soon. In the meantime, Mm -hmm. what's the message that we're not getting just to bring the knot back into the conversation? The flow of goodness wants to happen and the second we stop trying to control it it we will be overwhelmed with beauty there is nothing more powerful than the flow of grace 
it will win and it will take you where it's going down the street. It can take you fighting and kicking and screaming and you can get as bruised as you feel like you have to to feel like you had an adventure or you can go light and bouncy like a bubble. But you're going. Everybody's going. In the fullness of time and in the flow of beauty, because truly nothing else is real. All of our pain, every single stitch of our pain and blame and shame and all the stuff is just an expression of stuck flow. But even even though it's stuck flow, it's still flow. There is nothing else. <laughs> well, you know, um, that was my first aha when somebody said, wait a minute, God created, you know, first there was God. And it doesn't say there was God and this whole bunch of building material. Mm-hmm. It said there's, there's just God. And so everything that we're experiencing had to have come from that. And you, whether you call it God or energy or whatever, because there isn't anything else in existence. Exactly. That's all there is. There is only the mind of God. So if I'm here, I'm God thinking about stuff. Yeah. And, and, and granted, we are encapsulated in a human suit. So we have limited perception, you know, and some of us have more limited perceptions than others. And mine was incredibly narrow and boxed in, um, especially through my years of marriage and divorce and marriage and divorce. And those stories that I lived, when it comes to living a new story, Mm. that's the journey that I want us to help everyone stay on, Kayleen. Yeah. I, I, found, and there's a whole bunch of people using this now, this phrase, your story or your life. Mm. Because your story is the life you're living. You're not living anything except the story that, mm. and I I call it the story you wrote in on. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And, you, and you can continue to write that story and have that be your entire life story, or you can choose a different twist. You can choose to experience it a different way. What if you could choose even just for five minutes to be in the flow? What difference would that make? Well, for me, it's like, I could just relax for five minutes, not feeling like I had to control everything. I don't have to take care of everybody else. I don't have to, the world's not dependent on me. Somebody else is going to crank for a while. Yeah. What a concept to actually be able to just flow. Yeah. That's that's the paradox, you know, with the whole shame, responsibility, guilt, power thing is that we have all power and no power at the same time because it's the flow flowing and we're part of it, but we're not responsible for making it good. It already is good. We just stop meddling. You know, it's like sometimes you drive better when you're not thinking up here. You just let the autopilot do it because your body knows how to drive. Muscle memory. Yeah, muscle memory can help. What if we could program our muscles to stay in the positive thing? That's what meditation does for some people. It programs their muscles to relax. It's what some of the other studies do. 
there's all of these different pathways to help people get back in the flow. And if you're like me and meditation is not for you because it's too um, whatever, doesn't quiet the brain at all. Right. Um, Oh, by the way, I have an answer for why that was such a struggle for me and why it still is, um, which is really fun. A lay preacher stood up one Sunday and said, prayer is asking God a question. What if? meditation is listening for the answer. There you go. And I went, well, that's why I don't meditate because I did not want to hear the answer to my question about what I was praying about because at a gut level, we already know. Yeah. Or at least I did. So we try to avoid by a lot of different ways. So muscle movement works better for me, Tai Chi, and now I'm into mm-hmm. bungee flying. So that's kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Whatever works to get people into the flow. What's your favorite way to get back in the flow? Well, that's why I do the sound healing, which we Uh haven't really talked about, uh, frequency. Because it completely bypasses your logical mind, goes right to the control panel, and changes the setting to flow. Oh, I like that. I like that. I love things that bypass the critical thinking brain. I'm actually collecting them, all of these Mm -hmm. resources. So sound healing is something that I'm a little bit familiar with. Mm-hmm. What got you into sound healing? How did you find that modality? <sighs> or how did it find you? Right. It was one of those moments where it's like the sky opens up and the big hands say, here's your next step, honey. I can tell you didn't know. <laughs> ah. And I, I follow astrology. So I knew one of those moments was coming up. So I was ready to say yes to it. Um, but Somebody who was a a guest in my Airbnb um, made arrangements to pay more than I usually get for his own reason. So I had this chunk of cash. And while we were chatting, he introduced the idea of the tuning forks to me. And, uh, you know, the, the, the tinder was dry and ready for the spark. And that was the spark. My brain exploded. I started searching the Internet. I fused together these several different modalities, got my forks, and I knew it was not a time to play around because I had the money. I had, you know, I had everything I needed to just say, yes, jump the heck in. And then in hindsight, I realized I've been playing with frequency for a long time. Mm. I always used to sing to the cows when I was a little girl growing up on a dairy farm. And when I was doing my church thing, I did the prophetic worship flags which is kind of the silent form of the same thing. You know, you're stirring up the atmosphere into a state of coherence and flow, which is what we do with uh, sound frequency and sound healing. So the power of the subtle to reshape the physical is, well, that's the ultimate yin solution. You know, you start out here where it's light and easy and it'll take care of it, but focus on what's light and easy instead of the stuff you know you can't move. Start with what you know you can move, which is, you know, whether I'm saying, oh, hell or oh, wow, in this moment and just let it percolate through. Well, there we go. Focus and start with what's light and easy and the heavy stuff will take care of itself. Yes. I don't think it's going to get much better than that today. So I think we, I think we got this. So everyone, hey. Check it out. There are links in the chat. There's links to all of Kayleen's stuff, her website and everything. There's links to the how mindset really works. And have fun with this. Enjoy the adventure. 
and we will have you back. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for turning on and turning up your positivity. We know that positivity is easier to maintain in a community, so we have one. Join our community on Facebook, Your Brain on Positive. If you've had an aha from the show, please head over to the community and share it. We love to celebrate wins. 